Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad to see you today. It's good to share this time of fellowship and worship together. And uh, I'm grateful to, to be back after a little time off for a little, a little R&R. We just drug in yesterday afternoon or yesterday evening. And so I'm still panting, trying to catch myself. But uh, glad to be with God's people this morning. We welcome everyone and our guests especially today. We welcome you and and, uh, and are so grateful that you are here. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and a part of us today. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Also, go ahead and take your phones and check in uh, on, on your smartphones, on uh, Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and let everybody know that you are here today. Uh, by the way, church looks good. I, uh, my my uh, commendations to the paint crew. I understand there were a lot of people that, uh, that worked hard to, to make this happen. Huh? We had a good crew. Had a, had a good crew, so uh, it looks good. So thank you to everyone who who uh, had a part in that. Uh, just a few announcements that we have uh, uh, for this morning. First of all, um, there, we will be beginning a, a new Bible study on Thursday evenings. Uh, Lisa Cox will be leading a Bible study. It's a Beth Moore Bible study called The Quest, and that will be begin on August the 23rd. I see. That's this Thursday, isn't it? Is that this Thursday? This Thursday, okay. So if you'd like to be a part of that, then uh, see uh, Lisa Cox. Her, her. Oh, there she is. Uh, and there she is, right there. And, and her email address is in here, and she can order you a, a, a book for that. Also, we're, our children are having an outing coming up, uh, going to Holiday World. And uh, if, if you or your kids would like to be a part of that, then see uh, Kim Hall or Teresa Steele, and they'll have the details for you. Also, put uh, September the 23rd in your calendar and reserve that date. We're going to be having our annual church picnic out at Audubon, Mill, Audubon Park, Audubon, Audubon State Park, not Mill. And um, and so put that on your, on your calendar, and we'll look look forward to that. Let us stand, let us greet each other in the name of the Lord, let us share the love of Christ with one another.
God, we do lift your name on high because you are worthy of our praise. And every time we come to you, O God, we come with many needs in our lives. We need sustenance. We need clothing. We need food. We need friendship. We need companionship and love. We need to feel appreciated. We need to feel that we are able to accomplish in our work, to to be able to accomplish, be accomplished in our work, and to be valued in our contribution to those around us. You tell us to share our needs with you, and you tell us to ask for the fulfillment of our needs. You ask us to talk to you about the many hungers that we want so desperately to be filled. And yet when we get what we want, we're only satisfied for a brief moment. And so often, O Lord, we fail to offer thanks when we get what we want. We just move on to the next thing and we forget to say thank you. We don't want to do that. And so we thank you today for your blessings. Help us, O God, to come to you first and foremost, seeking to have you, to have your love, and to have a a sense of your presence. We need so many things, O God, but most of all, we need you. We pray for those who need you in a special way today. Be with those that we love. Be with those who mourn. Be with those who are sick and bring peace to our nations. Inspire us in our work as a community of faith and help us to to reach our community with your good news and your love. Bless our nation and help us as a people to be a people of love and justice and compassion. Following closely your example and your teaching. But most of all, O God... Give us Yourself. By dying on a cross for us, You have shown us that You have given Your all. You have given Your very self to us. Help us to believe that and to live as if it is true. Be with us today, O God, as we sup upon the bread of life. Fill us with Your presence and peace. Amen.
please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, come to each of us and slow us down today. Open our ears today. Open our hearts today. Accept these tithes and offerings to serve our world and our town. But most of all, remind us to be the presence of you in all we do. In your name we pray. Amen. John chapter 6, chapter 6, verses 24 through 35. 
So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which is the Son of Man, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So that they said to him, what side are you going to give us then, so that we may not see, or so we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is, it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. i 
Wow. And I get to follow that. Jeez. No pressure, huh? Thank you so much. You know, that... That just that just puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? To hear such a beautiful song, so beautifully uh, sung and performed, and and uh, and it's such an inspiration. So thank you for for sharing that. A few years ago, there was a news article that came across the Associated Press concerning the plight of a, a Swedish woman who had a rare eating disorder. And because of her disorder, uh, she was forced to eat huge quantities of food every day just to stay alive, more than any of us could possibly eat. She would literally die if she ate three normal meals a day. She always needed more. Now, some of us probably fantasize about eating significant amounts of food without gaining any weight, and, uh, but, but I, don't, I don't think any of us would really wish that kind of affliction on anyone. But I wonder how much food the average offensive lineman for the National Football League eats. The heaviest player in the NFL was a giant named Aaron Gibson. He weighed 410 pounds while he played uh, offensive line for the Lions and the Cowboys and the Bears and the Bills. Um, and, I, and I really kind of doubt he reached that size by eating three normal meals a day. But we have to remember that some of these giants that you see on TV on Sunday afternoons, they're not only big, but they're also very athletic, and, and, and they expend a lot of energy, and so they can afford to eat more than, than any of us might ever dream. And of course, some people have a harder time resisting the lure of food than others do. <clears throat> Radio commentator Paul Harvey told about a man who was determined to lose some weight, and so he went to the Humana Bayside Hospital in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he had his stomach stapled. But within 48 hours after his surgery, he snuck out of his room. He raided the hospital refrigerator, and he ate so much food that he burst his staples. And then after that, he sued the hospital for a quarter of a million dollars for failure to lock... The, the refrigerator. <laughs> and in my research on the topic of food, can you tell I've been kind of researching food lately? It may have had something to do with my vacation. I don't know. But in my research on the topic of food, I, I, I did run into an item that you might find interesting. Did you know that there, there really is a museum of burnt food? Really? There is. It exists. Yeah, it's there. It's located in Arlington, Massachusetts. This this museum is the home to around somewhere around 50,000 specimens of burnt food, including over 2,000 items in the Hall of Burnt Toast alone. It's true. And, the, and get this, this is what floors me. This museum attracts over 25,000 people a year. Which just, just goes to show you that there's no accounting for tastes. No pun intended? No, I intended it. <laughs> but here's something that probably won't surprise you. According to one source, the size of the average meal served in a restaurant compared to a meal prepared at home 
The restaurant meal will be 170 times larger. Want to lose weight? Don't eat out so much. Food is very, a very important part of our, our lives, isn't it? Some of you will agree with whoever it was who said that coffee makes it possible to get out of bed in the morning and chocolate makes it worthwhile. I thought I'd get some amens out of that one. We all have our weaknesses. A few weeks ago, I led a Bible study on Wednesday night about Jesus feeding 5,000 men and an untold number of women and children with just five barley loaves and two fish, two small fish. We thought about what the people in that crowd must have experienced and how thrilling it must have been just to be there that day. And I'm, I'm sure that the crowd that was there, were, they were amazed at what took place, at what they saw, at what they experienced. And then John told us that after they witnessed such a power, powerful event as this, that the people began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world, referring to the Messiah. And then John said that Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and to make him king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. Now, why would he do that? It's hard to fathom that someone would pass up such an opportunity to to secure a, a position of power like that. But Jesus had no intention of becoming an earthly king. In fact, that would be a demotion for him. And it's obvious by now that the reason that Jesus told some of the people that he healed not to share it, not to tell anybody else about it, the reason he did that was that if the stories about his healing powers got around, the miracles that he did, he knew that people would try to lure him away from his real mission, his real purpose for being there. You see, he did not come to build a kingdom like most of us think of. His real purpose in coming to us was to spread the good news of the kingdom of God. His purpose was to train his disciples to carry on the work of the kingdom that he came to establish. The work of compassion, the work of grace, the work of peace and justice. His real purpose was to show people in His words and in His deeds the very nature of God, God's self. And so under the cover of darkness, after feeding 5,000 people, He crossed to the other side of the lake to Capernaum. But many of the people who had been in that huge crowd of people with Jesus that were fed by Jesus, they came after Him. And when they found Him, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for Me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, all you're interested in is a full stomach. Then He said, Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures for eternal, to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of, of approval. Do you know what it is to hunger for food that never spoils? 
the bread of life. That's not the kind of bread that you buy at Sherway or some other grocery store. The question I raise for you today is this. Do you hunger for the bread that only Christ can provide? Most of us know what it's like to be hungry. Most of us don't know what it's like to really be hungry, but most of us know what it's like to be hungry. My stomach's kind of growling right now. (laughs) Um, Actually, the hunger pangs that most of us have known are really no more than a a minor inconvenience for most of us. But but we do know a little bit about what what it's like to be hungry, to have a physical hunger when we hadn't eaten for a little while. I read recently that the normal human being in a lifetime spends 35,000 hours eating. 35,000 hours. Now, if you do the math, that works out to around eight years of eating nonstop for 12 hours a day. That's a lot of eating. Obviously, we get hungry a lot. We eat a lot. We, we try to fill what we need to sustain our lives. But the question that we have today is, do we get hungry for what really satisfies us? We know about physical hunger, but what about spiritual hunger? Do we get hungry for the spirit, the spiritual aspects that Christ came to present to us? The fact is that many people have a deep emptiness within them that nothing physical can fill. It's a longing to be connected to our Creator. And there's something missing from their lives. And and many times in an effort to fill that something missing, they've substituted all kinds of other things. Material things. Power. Sex. Accomplishment. Drugs. Alcohol. All kinds of things. But guess what? None of those things ever really satisfy. Some of you will remember when a young man named Boris Becker was the, at the very top of the tennis world. And to watch him play was truly a thrill. But did you know that Boris Becker was at the t- time also on the brink of suicide? In his own words... He said, I had won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player ever. I was rich. I had all the material possessions I needed. It's the old song of movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything they could ever want, and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was a puppet on a string, he said. But of course, Becker's not the only celebrity to feel that sense of emptiness. There have been many more. Many of you know some of them. And and you don't have to be a celebrity to to feel that emptiness. And I'm not talking about the emptiness of, of clinical depression here. That's a whole different matter. What I'm talking about is the hollowness that so many people feel because they've sought to find meaning and purpose in the wrong places. And that purpose has eluded them. Tremendously successful author Jack Higgins was asked what he would like to have known as a boy, and his answer was this, that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. 
That's been the experience of, experience of so many high achievers. When you get to the top, there's nothing there. Many of you will remember singer and songwriter and performer and teen idol Andy Gibb. Andy Gibb was just 19 years old when his first record, I Just Want to Be Your Everything, hit the, tops of the top of the charts. He was nominated for two Grammy Awards that year and made over $2 million at the age of 19. He added another million the next year. And Andy Gibb became, uh, came to international prominence in the late 1970s with six singles that reached the top ten in the United States. He is the only solo performer ever to have his first three singles to hit number one on the charts. He sold over 15 million records worldwide by the time he was 21 years old. And then as easily as the money came, it went. Most of it for cocaine. Gibb sought treatment in 1985, and by all accounts, he had finally put drugs behind him when he went to Miami to be with his older BG brothers. But by that time, the fortune was gone, declared bankrupt. He owed over a million and a half dollars, and then just five days after he turned 30, he was dead. The official cause of death was heart failure, but doctors say that even a small amount of cocaine can permanently damage your heart. What happened to Annie Gibb? Well, his friends say that he had a great emptiness within him. And I find that so sad. It is so sad to see such a promising young life snuffed out like that. But Andy Gibb is not alone, and neither is Boris Becker. There are many people out there who look deep within their hearts, and they find nothing but emptiness. They ask questions like, why are we here? Where are we headed? What, What does it all mean? And for many people, there are no fulfilling answers, no satisfying answers. Many years ago, there was a brilliant French writer who spoke for many of the best educated people of his generation. His name was Albert Camus. Albert Camus, viewed his view was that, that life is ultimately absurd. That was the word that he used. Life is absurd. He concluded that there's no reason to life. There's no meaning for life. There's no purpose behind it. It's all simply absurd. His contention was that it was foolish for anyone to try to predict the way their life will go. We are at the mercy of blind chance. Well, Camus' own death seems to have been a weird fulfillment of his perspective. You see, he had planned to take a train to Paris one day, but at the last minute he changed his mind and took his car instead. And not long after that, his body was found in his car after he attempted to take a curve at 90 miles an hour. The brightest light in French literature, a Nobel Prize winner, went out just like that. The newspapers carried the headline, Absurd. Absurd. 
My friends, if we believe that we are dependent solely upon reason, then we too could admit that Camus was right and life is ultimately absurd. There's no reason for it. And if life is absurd, then no matter which way we turn, it's going to be the wrong way. But I've got some good news for you. Because you see, life does have meaning. It does. Life does have meaning. And life does have purpose. And you can find fulfillment in your existence. For you see, the very reason that Jesus came into this world was to fill this sense of emptiness, this sense of meaninglessness with purpose, with fulfillment, with a reason to be. I am the bread of life, said Jesus. You can search all over the world to find that one thing that is missing in your life, but until you feed upon the life of Jesus, you won't be satisfied. Pastor Rodney Buchanan tells about standing in line at Walmart one day, and there was a woman and her small, uh, her young son was standing directly in front of him, and the boy was not happy. The reason he was not happy uh, was that he saw something that he wanted in the store, and his mother was not letting him have it, and he was throwing a little fit. You ever been there? Yeah, most of us have. We've 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 all seen it. Throwing a little fit there in line at Walmart. No, you can't have it. Yeah, well, I want it. And then she suddenly blurted out, What can I tell you, Billy? Life sucks and then you die. Can you imagine having that philosophy as the basis of your life? My friends, we need to be careful about the messages that we send. We, you see, the truths that we tell ourselves and the truths that we tell our children, they are molding us and they are molding the future generations. And here's the truth that we need to shout from the rooftops. God is good. And God has created a good world. And life is good when it is lived for God and, 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 and when we base our lives on the compassion that Jesus taught us to live. When we live away from God, then life sucks and then you die. But when you live your life for God, then life makes sense. You have purpose. Sir, the people said in response to Jesus' teaching, give us this bread. Give us this bread that fills us. This bread that when we eat, we will not be hungry again. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. And that's true. The greatest need that each of us has is to feed upon Christ. To see and to live the purposeful, abundant life that Christ has called us to. It's pretty simple, really. It is just to give our lives to Christ 
to commit ourselves to follow the kingdom ways that he has taught us. It is, a, is, it, is it a kingdom in this world? No, it is not. It is a kingdom in our hearts. It is following the compassion that Jesus has taught us. And so today, we come to the table. We come to break the bread of life. We come to remember that Christ came to bring us to His kingdom. Let us remember that. As we take the bread, let us remember what Christ has done for us. Let us remember the significance of it. The body, the blood, the bread, the cup. Let us remember and let us be fulfilled as we take the bread of life, as we take the cup. Let us take the kingdom into ourselves and live it. Amen. Let us join in our observance of the Lord's Supper. All are welcome at Christ's table. Jesus never turned anyone away. Everyone is welcome. We invite you to come, and I'll invite our deacons to come on down now and, and prepare for the, to, uh, to serve. We will come down the middle aisle uh, to receive uh, the bread and the cup. There will be two stations on each side at the front. And we would ask, if you would, to come to one of those stations where you will take a piece of bread and then move to the person next to them and dip the bread in the cup, in the juice, and then eat the bread that has been uh, in, infused with the, with the juice. If you cannot come to the, to the front or if you'd rather stay where, where you are, we will have deacons that will come to you and serve you at your seat, and that will be fine as well. But we invite you to come and to share um, in this time of remembrance, in this time of recognizing what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us remember. Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread and he broke it. When he did that he said this is my body which is given for you. And in the same way after supper he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant. We're starting something new. The old laws they don't apply anymore. The old ways of looking at things, 
that you've been taught through your life. They don't apply. What applies is the grace that I've come to offer to you. What applies is the love that I've come to emulate for your life. What applies is the peace that I can give to you as you take the bread and as you take the cup, as you sup upon the bread of life. This is what this means. And I can't begin to tell you how this works. I can't begin to tell you how the crucifixion of Jesus covers our sins. That's beyond my pay grade. But I can tell you that it does work. It is what God has said for us. Jesus came. He died. He was resurrected. And in this we see the love of God. Let us remember that love and remember that in that love we find purpose and meaning in life. Would you come take the bread of life? It is so good to share the meal of the Lord with God's people, with brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we do this in fellowship. We do this because we have something in common. That's why we call it communion. We have this in common. We commune with with one another. We commune with God. And what we have in common is is that the love of God fills each of us. The Spirit of God surrounds each of us. And we celebrate it. And we remember. Thank you for being the people of God. We're going to sing our closing hymn. And one I think is very uh, significant for a time like this. Jesus paid it all. And that's what we have just done signifies. That Jesus paid it all. He gave His life for each of us. Let us remember that as we sing together.
filled to the brim with the goodness of God, the nourishment of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us go now in peace to serve God in all that we think, say, and do. God's peace will be with you always. Go and share the feast that you have experienced today. Go and share God's love for all. Amen. Amen.